listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. So this story of the Syrophoenician woman coming to Jesus to beg him to help her daughter We actually read it a bit earlier in the summer at the Wednesday midday service because at that service we follow a different lectionary. We read Matthew's version that day, but the story is pretty much the same. This Gentile woman comes to Jesus asking for help. He rebuffs her with what seems a rather nasty insult. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She comes back with a quick and clever response. Ah, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And Jesus says to her, For saying that you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Well, when I reflected on this story at that Wednesday Eucharist, I told the gathering that the only time that I have ever received a full-on rebuttal to one of my sermons was when I preached on this very text in my former parish. See, that parish followed the pattern in which at the end of the service, the choir would recess down the aisle with me tagged on the end, which landed me at the back of the church for that sort of ritual, good sermon, reverend, line-up. It always felt a little bit unnatural to me, a a sort of a social obligation for all of us, which I wish I could have just skipped. Hopefully, most of the time, they were relatively good sermons, because I hate to think that everyone was just being nice. Well, on that one Sunday, there was no pretense of nice in the comments after I preached on the story of the Syrophoenician woman. Absolutely no sense that this particular person thought my sermon was in any way good at all. She was very unhappy with me, more than a bit offended, and I think a little worried about the state of my soul. What in heaven's name did I say that morning in that sermon? Well, wonder no more, because I'm about to follow pretty much the same interpretive line tonight as I did then. And no, I didn't bring a crash helmet. What is Jesus doing calling this woman a dog? And why, when she comes right back at him with her quick and clever response, Does he so immediately change his mind? What's the dynamic here? Some interpreters suggest that this was exactly what he had intended all along, namely to engage this woman in a bit of a back-and-forth dialogue to tease out of her a kind of affirmation of belief, to which he'd responded with precisely what he knew he was going to do all along namely, heal the daughter. A few scholars even hear this story as a sort of a a witty repartee between the two of them, eyes twinkling the whole way through. You know, he calls her a dog, but he's smiling. 
That's what my unhappy parishioner had insisted was going on, by the way. She wanted, she needed Jesus to be all-knowing, totally in control, unflinchingly merciful even in his toughness. If he called her a dog, it was because he knew that it was just a sideways path to the healing of her daughter. After all, don't we really only tease the people we love and care about? But that's just not what I see happening here in this gospel. And in that, I'm certainly not alone. Mark begins this story by saying, From there Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. So where is there? From where was he coming? Jesus and his disciples had been in Galilee. They'd been in and around Gennesaret in predominantly Jewish territory. That's where he'd had just had a bit of a, a run-in with a group of Pharisees and scribes who'd come up from Jerusalem to try to sort out just who he was and what he was teaching. Now, Mark says, after this time of kind of conflict, they've gone away to the region of Tyre. That's Gentile territory, where Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know where he was. That's what Mark says. Now, this is not his first foray into Gentile territory. Just a couple chapters earlier, Mark had told the story of how Jesus had gone to the country of the the Gerasenes, where he had healed that spiritually tortured man who'd been exiled to live among the tombs because people were so frightened of him. Jesus had been in Gentile territory before. He had come to the aid of Gentile people before. He was known, at least in some parts of the Gentile territory, as someone who could deliver people from the demonic, from the spiritually oppressive. But in going to the region of Tyre, he's actually headed off in the other direction from where the Gerasenes lived. He'd been around the Sea of Galilee. The Gerasenes were to the east and south, And now he's headed northwest and quite a long way into a whole other region where he's not known. Now, given that, listen to what Mark writes. Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. Now, doesn't that suggest that he rather wanted to escape notice? That maybe he's tired? Maybe he needs some time just with his disciples? They've traveled a long, long way into territory where maybe he's not so likely to be noticed. And they've hunkered down in this house, hoping beyond hope that no one will find them. They just need a little time and space. I think we have to be really clear when we imagine the person of Jesus that he did not walk five inches off the ground in complete composure, simply waiting to fulfill the next thing he knew he was to do. No. His feet got hot and dirty. 
He got hungry and tired like the rest of us. He sometimes got mad, sometimes discouraged. He could get sad. He wept. Sometimes he had to slip away all on his own for a while to pray or to just be in the wilderness place. All of those very human pieces of him are clearly evident in the Gospels. He's one of us. Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know where he was, yet he could not escape notice because in comes this Syrophoenician woman, bowing at his feet, begging him to help her little daughter, who was besieged by some sort of an unclean spirit. And it's at this point he says to her those words that seem so very, very different from what we've come to expect. Let the children be fed first. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. It's almost as if here he's defaulting to the view that the Gentiles would have been seen with by all of the Jewish community. They're dogs in that social context. The Jews and the Gentiles did not get along. They did not respect each other. They looked down at each other. They're dogs. That was the common insult. I think he's just that tired. He just can't take one more demand. And he just goes to blow her off the way those all around him in his world and context would have. He just is in that much need of a little time and a little space, if only for these few hours. So in spite of the fact that earlier he had freed that garrison man from unclean spirits, maybe he just doesn't have the patience to respond to her now. Ever been there? Ever been in that space where you're just so done, so tired, so worn out, there's just no gas left in the tank? Of course you have. Ever been so tired that even when you know what the right thing or the good thing to do might be, you ignore it, you make up excuses, maybe even default to the cultural prejudices of our own world? We all have, all of us. But then, like a mama bear, defending her wounded cub, That Syrophoenician woman comes right back, quick and deft, saying, Sir, even the dogs under the table get to eat the children's crumbs. Now, Matt Skinner comments here, The woman recognizes the potency of this food that is Jesus. She doesn't demand to be treated as one of the children. No. Look, mister, I'm not asking for a seat at the table. My daughter is suffering. All I need from you is a crumb or two. I know that you will do the job, but I'm going to need it right now. Parents of sick children don't wait around. And isn't that another familiar little texture in the story? Parents of really sick children don't wait around. They simply don't. They become like mama bears, and they rear up and do what has to be done. Well... You heard how that story ended. Jesus responds to Mama Bear, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter, and so she went home, found the child lying on the bed, the demon gone. 
This story really speaks to me because Mark so evenly and openly exposes these very human qualities and dynamics. I see them in Jesus, who needs to get away, needs some time, hopes nobody will find him. I see them in that mama bear, rearing up and ready to do what it takes to get help for her child. I see a human dynamic in their quick exchange, that quick exchange between the two of them. Bang, 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 ah. I can very much relate to all of it. And I take massive comfort in being able to see that very human face of Jesus. Yes, I embrace him as Messiah, Savior, and as my Lord, no doubt. But isn't it something to watch as a quick-witted and desperate mother calls him back to his healing and restorative gifts? To watch as she calls him back to his own calling? We need to see the human face of Jesus, and we need to see how he interacts with people and how they touch him as well as he touching them. That's the gospel for this night in September. I trust that if you disagree, we can talk. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.